Today, I, um, I want to go right to work on what the Lord has given me. And it's not a typical Thanksgiving message, and yet it is something that we need to be extremely thankful for. And I simply want to talk about, share about this passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we're going to read in just a minute. If you'll stand with me as we read together, it uses an expression that we are fellow workers with God. So chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for the solid food. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another said, well, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gave growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. And here's the expression, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Before you see to turn to two or three and just say, I need to hear this. This is, uh, there's a picture here of, of an individual out in the field, and there's a whole lot more to this picture than what we just quickly glance at. We find out in the last statement after we're fellow workers that we are God's field, and we are God's building. In other words, the field that we're working in is our own life. We're the object of the message. We're the subject matter. Again, we get so caught up in the functions of life that we miss out on who's involved, us. So God's word just takes us directly there. And he, Paul makes this statement to this church. Now, if I had invited Paul to preach today, and the first thing he said to you today is, I wish I could come in here with something uh, meatier than what I'm going to say, but you're also uh, immature in Scripture, and you're so weak in, the, in your flesh that you can't be very spiritual. I don't think you'd ever ask me to invite him to come back and preach again, would you? And yet this is exactly Paul as an apostle is getting their attention. And you should be very honest with him. I wish I could come to you as spiritual people, but you're proving that you're not very spiritual. For several months, the banners on the walls that have been replaced with these banners, Life on Purpose, had a statement on them. Does anybody remember what the statement was? It was before us for months, and it simply said, ye 
who are spiritual. I use the King James. It's scripture. It's that statement that speaks to us all the time that we have a choice in the matter. That we can be spiritually uh, involved in our lives. We can be spiritual in our thinking. We can be spiritual in our behavior. But we know we're very human. How many knows you're human? And we camp out there all the time. We'll use that expression. Well, I'm only human. We usually say it in a moment of weakness, in a moment of failure. Well, you, what else did you expect? I'm human. When you have domestic disputes in your home, well, you know what you got when you married me. I'm only human. And yet there is this cry as believers that we don't just have to be human, but we have the privilege of being spiritual. Now, we know we're not angels, and we mean that in the, the very practical statement of that. We know that we're human beings. We're not angelic beings. Now, we may be called angels at times. We may be very sweet and kind and get that compliment, but we're not angels. Our story is far better than the angels. We have the privilege of salvation in our life. We have the privilege of being redeemed from sin and being given new life through Jesus Christ. Our story is better. There was an old songwriter, and he simply used those those very words. It's a song all the angels could not sing. And he went right on talking about salvation. And yet here we are, and the word just gets our attention. Ye who are spiritual. I wonder today, how many of you, if I just got up and say, would all of you who are spiritual stand up, how many of you would feel like you qualified for that position? Well, we struggle with that word. Because if I ask you to do that, and if you stood up, you would already be wrestling those emotions of, well, I wonder what other people are going to think of me. Because they've seen me lose my temper. They've seen me not act and behave very well at times. They, they know me. I'm married to them. I'm so-and-so's child. I'm so-and-so's parent. So you see, this really is a good word, and it, it's speaking to us. So then it, all through Scripture, all through the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says that these bodies that we have are actually temples. They're sanctuaries. And they're designed to house the presence of God, just like we are in this building, this edifice, same thing goes on in our life. That's why he said, you are God's field, you are God's building. Well, not only the first time that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the second time he wrote to them, and again, it's chapter 6, verse 16, and he's reminding you are temples of the living God, not just some random expression of a God, the living God who wants to live inside of these temples. It's Romans 8 that tells us that we have the privilege to present these bodies as living sacrifices, and in that, they are to be called holy. So again, I wonder how many of you, if I ask how many of you are holy today, would you stand? How many of you would stand? And then if I ask the questions, how many of you feel holy right now, remain standing? I wonder how many of you would be seated. And yet this is the commission. 
We are told throughout Scripture, it is the Hebrew writer comes back and says, we are a chosen people, a holy priesthood of people. And I'm looking at Sarah back there, and this next word just kind of applies to her. We are to be peculiar. Sarah, are you peculiar? <laughs> we're peculiar. We're different. We're different. We're supposed to be different. What is the rest of that scripture telling us? We are peculiar people because we show forth the praises of God who called us out of darkness and said, here's light, come and get it. We have the privilege of being a holy people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood people. And yet, it falls on deaf ears at times, doesn't it? At one time in our life, in our salvation story, it's like, yes, I want that, I want that. But when real life comes at us and we fail enough, we feel like I don't measure up. Can I hear an amen? amen. We're all there, aren't we? Yes. We have all sinned. This is a good time for confession. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I've sinned. See, so you, you can do it and feel good about it now. All have sinned and fallen short of God's plan, of his glory, of his plans for us. We've all, we're all there. And yet, we're God's field. We're God's building. So, he comes back to them. He says, so let me give you some indicators that you're not doing so good in this thing called spirituality. He said, there's divisions among you. You quarrel. You're fleshly in your thinking and in your behavior, your lifestyles. I mean, he doesn't hold back. So in other words, the spiritual meter going on, I wonder how I'm rating right now, and yet I'm over here just fussing at somebody because I don't like them right now. And instead of just having an occasional disagreement with somebody, we just nag and argue and quarrel all the time. It becomes behavioral. This is what he's saying to them. Well, you're proving. I would like to come in here with some great porterhouse steaks today. I would like to have some ribeyes at least. Can I hear an amen? Anybody salivating now? We're not even close to 12 o'clock, so I'm safe. Man, I've got a whole truckload of steaks out there for everybody in this congregation. And I have hired the best of chefs to prepare that for you. But you've got to qualify to get that. And by the time we get ready to go out there and get that steak, I have to put somebody else out in the foyer and say, Would you like a glass of milk on your way out? Boy, it's quiet in the house. He said, it's showing up in your beliefs. It's showing up in your behaviors. It's showing up in your lifestyle. And so we find ourselves attempting to experience God's blessings while refusing to separate ourselves from the world. How many knows this culture is powerful? It's always talking to us. So we are fellow workers. Now here's where, here's where 
we get an understanding. With just a little bit of insight, with just a little bit of study, this word, actually two words in English, fellow workers, is actually one word in the original writing. In the original Greek, it's synergos. Synergos. Now, again, the English translation has done as good as it can. But you see, the word ergos simply means to act, to work. And the word son means to be with. And so we work together. What he's offering us is we get to work with God. We are workers together. One word, though, and we work together with God as if we're one person. How many knows this sounds familiar, like maybe marriage? How many knows in marriage it's work? My daughter-in-law's over there. Is it work? That's the first amen I've got out of her. It is work. I agree. Sheila's been working on me for 42 years. She hasn't given up yet. It's working together. It, it gives us that understanding a little bit more, the insight that it takes in working with God. And yet God is saying, I'm offering my fellowship with you. I'm offering my presence to you. I'm offering my power to you. We got to work together on this. And we get to work together as if we're one. We know again throughout the Bible, God speaks to us in the plural even in the days of creation. In other words, God, God knows how to work with different manifestations, but it comes across as one. One God. He's working together with us. So here, here's one of the heavy questions. How then, how then do I live up to God's standards? How many have, how many have tried to do that? No takers? God has standards for his people, does he not? God's a holy God, is he not? And his scripture says, uh, his word to us is, be holy, because I'm holy. He's called us to be a holy priesthood. He's called us, so here are these standards. I'm going to help some of you today. I've had the privilege of being raised in the house of God. I've had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. Both father and mother present, and both believers Four children that they had to shape and mold. I understand what it is to go to church as a child and not understand half the words that's being said. I don't know why we do all that we do, but this is what we do on Sunday. And this is, this is why you go to that classroom, and this is why you have a teacher, and this is why you give offerings. And you see all this, but you don't totally have an understanding of all of it because you're a child. But it's before you. And along the way, you're hearing of standards. We don't do that, son. We're Christians. How many are with me so far? Don't understand why we don't do it. We just don't do it. There are standards. God's holy. We don't go to places like that. We don't use words like that. We don't get involved in those things. You still with me? Sure you are. So God has these standards that we're to understand. So how 
How do we do it? How do we live up to those standards? And the answer is, we can't. Oh, I got your attention now. You see, God's holy. We're not. We're called to be holy, but how many of you have been perfect this week? There's a reason. See, this is good. This is, this is the meat of his word. This is what Paul was trying to get across to him. That God has so much more for us. And we settle for second best. We settle for less. As long as I can measure up and I'm doing better than old William over there in the moment, then, then I'm okay because, you know, he's okay. So as long as I'm one step ahead of him, or as long as I'm ahead of Brother Jim right here, as long as, you know, I, I know he's a respected man in the house, as long as I, I'm seen with him, I'm doing all right. See, this is what we start doing. We start taking the world's standards to measure by. Wow. Even in church, especially in church. Again, we could share our stories. I could tell you what it is to be raised in a home that had a long list of what we don't do and a very short list of what we can do. Anybody with me? I mean, honestly, as a kid, by the time I got a little age on me, I realized real quick, if it looks fun, it's going to send you straight to hell. <laughs> that was my take. Because I didn't understand what was trying to be instructed to me. Well, Mom, some of my buddies are doing it. We don't go there. Oh. Well, we'd like to go. You can't go. Well, you could go, but not at this time. And just on and on and on in the standards. And then we get into this thing called asceticism, which means that we come together and to live up to God's standards, we're going to add this fence and we're going to add this brick wall and we're going to shield it even more. And so the word asceticism, Asceticism means to be stricter than even what the Word is saying. How many knows that can get in your spirit? Because now I'm holier than Jim. I'm holier than Chris. I'm holier than William. And yet what's happening on the inside? It's a common mistake And this thing of living up to God's standard. He's holy and he's given us his commandments. But what's, what's missing here? Why would Paul go to these people that he cares for and writing them and telling you, you're not very spiritual? Why would he do that? And then he comes back, but we're God's fellow workers. Synergos. We are working together with God as we're one. So the key isn't living up to God's standards. The key is simply to let God live out his life through us. Because if you just go through the praxis and you don't understand the ethos, you're going to fall short. Well, we don't go here. We don't do this. We don't, but I don't feel fulfilled. I don't have the joy of the Lord in my life, but I don't go there. God, I, I, I know that I'm not as good as so-and-so, but I'm better than so-and-so. How many are still with me? It's where we live. It's this common mistake. And this is why Paul is trying to help them to understand. God isn't going to change. He never changes. He is holy. 
and he calls us to be holy. But the only way he can be holy in our life is that he gets the privilege of living through us. Wow. Because just because you don't do certain things and don't go to certain places doesn't mean that you're holy. This is good stuff, isn't it? This will help you understand. This is why at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Outside of salvation, you, it's not going to happen. Now, we believe in a baptism of spirit to a fullness level. But understand, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has come into your life. Jesus told his first disciples, I've been with you, but I'm sending another one. And he'll be with you. But also there's the privilege of not only being with you, but being in you. It is learning that privilege of surrender to spiritual things. This is why I put those banners up for so long. Because we keep forgetting that we have the privilege of being spiritual. That it's our way out. It's our way of growth. It's the way that we can honor God fully is by being spiritually minded. How many has learned the word carnal in the word of God? Carnal is, carnal is, is being worldly. Is well, the world does this, so we'll do it. Well, so-and-so just cussed somebody out, so he had good effect with that. I think I'll try that. Boy, it's quiet in here. See, we keep letting somebody else live through us. Wow, maybe that's the better way of saying it. How many times have we heard the stories, felt the stories, experienced the stories where a parent's trying to vicariously live through their child? Or you get in a certain group and their influence. How many's learned the word today, influencers? And they're influencing, they're telling you how to live your life. And you can be as popular as me if you'll just dress the way that I do. If you'll go to the places I go. All they have following them is a bunch of people who are miserable. It's coming to this place, Lord, here I am. I'm no longer my own. I was lost in sin. I was lost and undone. But you shed your blood, gave your life for me that I might live. I no longer live but now you live in me, and you live through me. And it is this place of surrender. So hang in here. There's something called human engineering. And human engineering may sound very scary, but actually it's an applied science. And human engineering is... Many of you have done this through your military lives or through other, uh, other professions where they are taking devices and systems and conditions and applying them to you and measuring out your, the individual's qualifications and your giftings. And they bring them together. The military does this as strong as anybody we know certain personalities don't work well with other personalities. Can I hear an amen? amen? Some of them don't have very good marriages. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> sometimes, as Charles Swindoll wrote many years ago, sometimes we try to put the rabbit on the swim team. 
Now let the rabbit run. And so this is human engineering. It's taking these applied sciences. It's these devices. It's these conditions that are perfect for this kind of personality. And then we get in, and that's where our word comes from, ergonomics. And ergonomics is, comes through therapy. So let me kind of give you a little bit of insight. I had a lady come to me this week driving the buses, and she knew what surgery I've been through. Hey, you see how I'm doing, guys? Isn't that great? Uh, I would take my coat off and flex my, my guns, but, you know, I'd probably scare you. Just making sure you're still out there. And she came up to me, and she has had two surgeries. And she said, I'm miserable. I ache all the time. I hurt. I, I can't believe the function that you have. And I asked her one question. I said, did you do the therapy? No. Oh, that'll preach. That'll preach. We understand what he's saying now. And I encouraged her. I did. I encouraged her. I said, listen, get back to that therapist. Let them work with you. They're trained. Yeah, but I didn't like it because it hurt. Oh, you're with me now, huh? But through the hurt, I got better. Through the pain, I got better. If I had quit on myself because of the pain in the moment, whoo, come on, somebody. Paul put it this way, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that I'm going to get to. Man, this is good preaching, folks. This is something to be thankful for. This is what he was writing to them. You're not very spiritual, but it is there for you. But it isn't living up to God's standards. You can't do it on your own. It is coming to that place where I surrender to you. Now live through me. Let me be your fellow worker instead of God telling you when you can bless me and how you can bless me and, and, and how many times through the week. No, you see, I'm not in charge. I'm a fellow worker with him. The field we're working in is my own life. The building that's been built and occupied, it's my own life. Wow. It is that spiritual therapy. So what's that look like? I know I ought to pray, but I don't pray. I know I need to be in his word, but I don't go to his word. You see, if you don't do the therapy, you're not going to improve. Oh, come on, somebody. Because in the moment, sometimes it seems like I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that's ever tried to diet and lose weight. And by the first evening, you go to the scales to see if you've lost 20 pounds. <laughs> and we're disappointed. And finally, the next day and the next day after, I've lost a pound. Well, that's something. 
I don't know if I, you know, it looks like it's going to be an uphill climb. It looks like it's going to be a lot of work. I don't know because that cheeseburger sure talking to me right now. And isn't it amazing, just as you go on a diet, somebody's going to invite you to dinner. Let's go to the Mexican restaurant and just see how many different cheeses they can put on this thing. It's still not 12, so I keep preaching about food. <laughs> After another day or two, another pound, and another pound, and another pound. It's like, actually, I can get my pants back on without. <gasps> I've lost five pounds, five whole pounds, and I lose 10 pounds. And finally, 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 somebody said, Are you losing weight? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yes, I have. How much have you lost? Oh, who knows? It could be 20 pounds. I don't want to know. It's just 10 pounds. And then the kicker. Man, I lost 10 pounds, 12 pounds, 13 pounds, 14 pounds. Man, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. Next week, I'm still 14 pounds. The next week, it's been 13 pounds. Oh, I have plateaued. Am I still preaching to anybody? <sighs> Hang in there. Plateaued. But I'm not where I was. And I know where I want to go. Mm, come on, somebody. Because he's going to take me from glory to glory. To glory, what we forget about is all the steps in between the glories. We forget about all the steps, all the ladders, all the hurdles, all the challenges. Many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. But I know where I'm headed and I know where I'm going and I'm going to keep hanging in there. I know I've plateaued and I ain't happy about it at all. But thank God I'm not where I was and I know who's called me. I know who I am. I know who's, who has my life in his hand. I can trust him. Because we are fellow workers. So who's your co-workers? Well, I work with John and yeah, I work with Sally. I work with Bob. I work with two different Bobs. I work with, and finally they ask you who you work with. I work with God. Oh, really? You're that special? Actually, I am. I'm a child of the king. We're fellow workers. God and I have got this thing, man. We're working on this. It is that spiritual ergonomics. It is these things designed to help me in my therapy. How many's found out that going to God's Word when you're just down in your head, you find out the Holy Spirit starts illuminating a certain scripture as you're reading it, and you're like, oh, wow. Did they just get that off the press this morning? My goodness, I've never read that before. And look, at this, it fits tailor-made for me. Because it's new every morning. It's fresh every morning. The times I'm in prayer and it's like, I'm, man, I'm really struggling at this time. I, I don't even feel like praying. How many's with me? 
It hurts to pray right now. I'm just not happy right now. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's happened to me. And God, quite honestly, I'm kind of a little irritated with you as well. Oh, come on. You know who you are. Every one of us. Because he's not working on our clock, our calendar, our schedule. So I'm going to give you another word. It's a beautiful word. It's a, it's a word picture the word of God gives us. And it's the word grafted. We've been grafted into the vine. You see, we are fellow workers. And this graftage, I, I actually wrote down the definition. It is the practice of inserting a part of one plant into another plant in such a way that the two will unite as one and continue their growth. Wow. Romans 11 tells us we've been grafted into the vine. We were a wild olive branch, but we've been grafted into the genuine article. Grafted into him. John 15 says if we abide in him, he's grafted us in. We get our nourishment from him. We get the privilege of growth through him. We get the privilege of being successful and performing correctly in him. We find out that we produce fruit and fruit that remains in him. As long as I'm grafted into the vine, this graftage, the love of God, 1 John 4 9 says, he sent his only son for us and in that that we may live through him. You hear that again? The Cernergo. It isn't living a separate life. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We understand it's all about Him living in us. Acts 17 and 28. In Him I live. In Him I move. In Him I have my being. Galatians 2 and 20 said, I've been crucified in Christ. been crucified in him. The secret of that word him. I've been crucified in him. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, that you see, that you know, I live by faith in him. Would you stand with me today? <music>